The Boilermakers are facing a bit of adversity here in the middle of February as Purdue welcomes in Rutgers on Thursday. The Boilermakers coming off their loss to Ohio State on Sunday. We'll break all of that down on Cold and Black Radio. Kyle Charters here with Brian Newbert. Brian in a moment, but first this. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. Brian, the Boilermakers will get Rutgers in town on Thursday night, trying to uh, get back in the win column after the surprising loss at Ohio State on Sunday. Um, look, we we clamored uh, for uh, Purdue to, to face some adversity, and uh, it, it will face some adversity here. Uh, coming off the rare loss, uh, this season, only the third of the year, does bring the Big Ten race a little bit closer. Illinois is is lurking uh, out there. Coleman Hawkins certainly uh, notices that. Uh, just what do you think about Purdue coming off a loss and, you know, quick turnaround here to Rutgers this week? I think when Purdue turns the ball over, Purdue is vulnerable. Yeah. I don't think that I don't think that's news. I think we've said that. All season long, I've written that a thousand times, and I think Ohio State underscored it. Like, how many teams in college basketball, no matter how good they are, can punt away 13, 14 possessions? Uh, it really was 13 at Ohio State because the last one came at the buzzer. Um, and give the opponent 22 points. Uh, when you yeah. look at Northwestern, Nebraska, Ohio State, the common denominator is all three of those teams scored roughly 20 points off of Purdue's turnovers. One was like 19, one was 21, and one was 22. I think averaging that out, it's about 20, 20 and a half points a game uh, in turnovers. That's that's it. Purdue is an elite team. Purdue is the best offense in the country or roughly the best offense in the country when it doesn't turn the ball over. That's the qualifier we've attached to every single game this season. And there was nothing new that came out of the Ohio State game in that regard. Um, teams are going to lose games. You know, I, I don't think it changes anything fundamentally. Uh, I don't think it's some sort of new existential crisis. 
for Purdue, I don't think it it it, it says anything about what's to come here the last couple weeks of the season. I think it's just that simple. I think there are going to be games where when Purdue turns the ball over, Purdue's going to be vulnerable. That doesn't mean Purdue isn't as good as everyone thinks. That doesn't mean Purdue's overrated. That doesn't mean this player shouldn't play or that player should play more or Purdue needs to just tear it all down and start over again or uh, anything like that. I think that Purdue's fine. Uh, they just need to not turn the ball over. And, um, you know, this Rutgers team coming in was um, – dominated in the first half at their place, made some shots in the second half. They obviously were uh, a team Purdue had to just outlast. They're different now. Jeremiah Williams has changed them. A very odd, very modern college basketball story where a guy gets eligible midseason, comes in and makes an immediate impact right away. Like, yeah. You can't make up some of what goes on in college basketball anymore. We've got like 25-year-olds running around all over the place. We've got guys just showing up mid-year. Um, and all suddenly changing their teams overnight. It's just a very bizarre sport right now. But um, Rutgers is going to look different uh, than it did when Purdue last saw them. Um, Rutgers has been one of those programs that's not been afraid of Mackey Arena, uh, too. I, I think yeah. that bears mentioning. Very different players. These aren't the same guys who, who came in here a, a couple of times and won. Um, but I, if there's anything that uh, jumps out about Rutgers that Purdue has to be better at this time around. I'm not really sure there's a whole lot because those guys who normally don't make shots just started making shots in that second half. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I I don't anticipate Purdue being uh, um, being affected by having lost that game. If anything, it, it, it could go the other way. I mean, they lost that game in Nebraska that I'm not sure – Anyone else in the Big Ten was winning on that night uh, in Lincoln and then won nine straight and mostly looked pretty good doing it. They had to survive a couple times. That's the natural up and down of a college basketball season, but I I don't think anything changes for Purdue here after losing a close game at Ohio State. So um, don't overreact. That's that's what, you know, 25 years of covering college basketball has (laughs) – has has taught me so um yeah the, the pretty would rather have won that game than not so the fan base is a little bit on edge though right i mean i don't i don't know that i don't know that that directly affects purdue and its players and makes purdue and its players uh on edge uh but you don't have to look back very far to see you know there was a pattern a year ago purdue at this exact same time lost 3 or 4 games and you know Maybe that was an indication of what was to come for Purdue in the NCAA tournament. I think the fear from, you know, the outside looking in, if you're a fan of Purdue, is oh, here we go again. Um, are there? Well, talk to me when they lose. Well, talk to me when they lose two of the next three, which would be three or four then, because they won nine in a row. Um, They lost one game, right? They lost one game. Uh, It was a a two-point game in the last minute had Zach Eady gotten that foul call on that last slap away. You know, he the way that game was going, he would have made both. It's a tie game with a minute to go on the road in the Big Ten. Um, stuff happens, you know, and looking at this one game and saying, oh, here, 
here we go again. It's last year. Last year, Purdue had two freshman guards yeah, who were wearing down at the end of the year. Um, they were a very different team than they were now. Uh, I, I don't think people realize how different Purdue is this year. They're, their offense is much, much different uh, than it was last year. It's better than it was last year. Um, they're a little bit better defensively, but it's the same thing. It's when you turn the ball over, yeah, that is that is when you're vulnerable. And I, I, I don't think that uh, that's a new thing from last season, but I think it's only gotten Purdue three times here yeah. uh, this season. Um, so I, I, I don't think – I think – when a team is this good, I think people have the have the microscope over everything, and you just need something to freak out about sometimes when your expectations are through the roof. Mm-hmm. And I think this notion that Purdue is like unbeatable and was just gonna roll through the season on its way to the Final Four, I think that's fan fiction. You know, I I, I don't think that's I don't think that was ever really reality. Um, that said, there's not a team in the Big Ten that Purdue really should lose to, um, as good as they are. Uh, that doesn't mean that you don't lose games in college basketball. Everybody is going to lose games, um, and when you do, you know sometimes that straightens things out a little bit. This is a very competitive team. This is a more mature team than it was last year, and I just don't see the trappings that might have. Uh, gotten them last season being the same thing. Purdue did win the Big Ten tournament too last year. It, yeah. yeah, they lost. They lost in in the first round of the NCAA tournament, sure, but they still won the league by three games. Won the Big Ten tournament. Um, it's not like they completely went to hell. Uh, starting in February last year, I think you know there's this there's this impulse to look for some sort of terrible four four alarm fire brewing somewhere and uh reason to freak out and i just don't think i just don't think it's there i just think that it's this is college basketball like um uconn's gonna lose games the rest of the way and that's the standard people are holding purdue to it's not like you're not comparing purdue to the rest of the big 10 anymore you're not comparing them to what they were last year where they were just so good so fast um, you're comparing them to like the best teams in the country. And it, it's, it's ridiculous that like there seems to be this argument brewing between like Purdue and UConn people. Like, what are we doing here? It's, <laughs> it's February 18th. Are they playing next week in the national title game? <laughs> what are we doing here? Um, but no, if, I, I just, I tried they, to humorously fuel. I tried to humorously fuel some of that over the weekend. Uh, well, then you're part of the problem. Yeah, no, I, I understand. Um, <laughs> but uh, I tried to, I'm trying to mix a little humor in there. I was making fun of it in a humor. I don't know. I don't know. Not everybody got it. Um, some of the, some of the other fan bases that that made their way uh, to my Twitter account uh, didn't didn't understand the humor necessarily. Um, well, Twitter. The yeah. biggest mistake the biggest mistake any of us ever made was getting on Twitter. <laughs> That's probably true. Probably true. Um yeah, I mean that has been a weird thing. Uh that, that the fan bases of two schools that that might not even play each other or they may, who knows. Uh sort of going at it uh, a little bit here over the last 
a week or two about their about their protect uh, pr about their schools. Um, was there some things that Ohio State did though to Zach Eady that is a blueprint for how you can cause Purdue or put Purdue in situations where it might be more susceptible to turning the ball over, like sending quickness at him fast um and 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 jostling him in in that way and making Purdue's offense more stagnant and more prone to turning the ball over I think that I don't think Ohio State did anything different I think that when he's on smaller quicker guys they're gonna have to try to smack the ball away uh because they're not gonna be able to hold their position now I I think there's something to be said for this being a reminder to him to kind of Fine-tune some fundamentals a little bit in terms of 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 making sure he keeps his guy bodied up, uh, so they can't get around him. Um, but also making sure he doesn't expose the ball as much as maybe he did yeah. at Ohio State. I know he wanted more calls. Um, he's always going to want more calls, but uh, I don't know if it was that bad and officiated deal. I, I think going back and watching the turnovers yesterday, the last one sure looked like a foul. Um, the ones prior, and one of the turnovers was an offensive foul. One of them was a throwaway on an outlet pass, uh, where I think he probably needs to be more careful. And I, I think Lance Jones kind of led him into a defender in the open floor. Um, but I think he was stripped four times, and I think one of them was a foul. The other three I don't know. Now, when you're a great player, maybe you expect those 50-50 calls to go your way yeah. sometimes. Um, I don't know, but um, I think just exposing the ball is something he's always got to be – he always has to be, um, you know, particularly careful about. But at the same time, like, if you have to collect the ball around your hips, you have to take the ball from one place to another one way or another. So it's not like you're just – you're not just putting the ball in, in – in the face of your opponent every single time, there has to be a process there um, from a mechanical perspective. But I think that, yeah, there's probably some things he can kind of fine tune coming off this game. Um, it, it's sort of interesting because, because Zed Key is now a very different player than he was early in his career. Yeah. You know, he, he was kind of beefy and wide before, and he would try to body Purdue, uh, he would try to body Edie up and, you know, he, he had no success at doing that. I don't think he really wanted to play <laughs> against Zach Eady. He was sort of one of those guys. But uh, he got hurt a couple times, missed a lot of time, and now he comes, and he's just a very, very different player. He he changed his body. He's quicker. He's smaller. And he was not really in position to battle physically, so he had to kind of do something else. And, yeah, that's maybe a little bit of a blueprint to, you know, swipe at the ball uh kind of defending Zach Eady, but how many people are, are going to do that without fouling him five times? Um, yeah. it, it's, it's, uh, it's a hard thing to do. It, it's just something, something Ohio state managed to pull off. I thought they did a, a better job in ball screen defense, uh, than a lot of other people, you know, have this season. I think they really paid a lot of attention to Fletcher lawyer. I think that's part of why he didn't get any threes off or got one three off and that came in transition. Um, so I, I think he's probably going to have to acclimate now to life as a marked man. I'm not saying he wasn't before, but I think he's more so now than he was before. Um, that said, Ohio state, 
you know, they have good, talented players. I mean, you know, Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale, those guys were cream of the crop recruits. Bruce Thornton was a five-star recruit. Yeah, they have they have the bodies, they have the length, they have the athleticism to do some things against Purdue that other people don't. And when you look at when there was one play where I think Braden Smith came off a ball screen and they got him boxed in pretty good a couple of times. And that's because when they're, when they're trapping those screens, when they're icing those screens, you've got two really high end athletes with size and athleticism doing it. It's not like you're playing against uh, whoever it might be anymore. He's dominated all season long where they're able to take, they were able to take some of his passes away. I think, Braden Smith can probably watch film on this and realize some situations where he probably had to get the ball out of his hands a little sooner. Um, but I think there were some things unique to Ohio State here that, you know, whoever it might be in the in the first couple of rounds of the NCAA tournament, because I know that's what everybody wants to jump right ahead to, they might not be able to replicate that. Uh, yeah. I think you, you have to give Ohio State credit. I don't think anybody ever wants to do that, but you have to give Ohio State credit too. I, I mean, I thought when Ohio State started twelve and two, now it turned out to be wrong, very wrong. But I had Ohio State as that fourth best team uh, in the Big Ten. I thought they were the one um, that was going to emerge. It didn't happen, but the Buckeyes have players. I mean, those those yeah. are good players. Yeah, and you know, Purdue didn't do do a good enough job getting Bruce Thornton out of rhythm early uh he's one of those guards that the way Purdue plays defense when you can make shots like that you're gonna have some problems when they're making those shots and then after that I think you know the turnovers and the loose balls got Jamison Battle going in the second half that was turnovers and that was a rebound Purdue couldn't get two hands on um it's what happens when you're playing with a an orange ball that's full of air sometimes yeah um and, uh, you know, they've got good enough guys to beat you when you are vulnerable in certain ways. And you just don't – you give them too many opportunities. And Purdue gave them too many opportunities. You know, the turnovers, it's not the 13 turnovers. It's the 22 points off of those turnovers. And you have to give Ohio State credit for making plays when given the opportunity to. As I said, I can't remember if I said this when we were recording or not, but the three losses, it's all points off turnovers. That is the yeah. only story from those games. It doesn't matter how well Tominaga shoots or how well Boo Booey shoots or how well Jamison Battle or Bruce Thornton shoot if you don't give them 20-plus points off of your turnovers. Now, obviously, there's going to be turnovers, but you just need to limit the damage some. If you could have taken 13 and made that 7 and taken 22 points off turnovers and made that 15, which is still a bad number, you win this game. You win all three of those games. And it, it really is that simple. I, I know it's oversimplification to say this one stat is the only thing that matters, but it is. Uh, it's not about this guy needs to play more, or that guy needs to play less, or you know Purdue needs to give this guy more shots, or this guy needs to be more aggressive, or whatever it might be. It is just that simple. Now, this was an outlier game for Edie with the six turnovers. Um five of which were loose ball turnovers, I think. Uh, live ball turnovers. Sorry, I think I said loose ball. Um, 
it it really is that simple. You just take care of the basketball, and you are maybe the best team in college basketball. I don't know. That's not for me to decide. That's not even a relevant argument right now. But that does get that does get YouTube clicks. That does get Twitter clicks. So um, I guess that's just where I went with it. So I, I do you think that the this is a little bit of a a different question, I guess. Do you think that the narrative around Zach Eady and foul calls has changed at all the way that he is called here in the last several games? I'm of the opinion that a year ago when Tom Izzo went on his long rant where he said he doesn't complain about officiating then spent 10 minutes complaining about officiating uh, in regards to, to Zach Eady affected the way that the game was called down the stretch with Zach Eady and it affected Purdue. There has been some of that narrative uh, this year, a lot of it on social media, that I think does make its way to how the game is called at times. Do you think that that has affected the way that Zach Eady has called here in the last several games? Well, I would hope the referees aren't reading social media. I don't know if they have time to read social media because they don't have time to prepare for games uh, because they're traveling from one game to another because when they wrap one up at 11 p.m. the next night, they've got another one at 6 p.m. the next day. Yeah. Um, it's possible. I mean, I, I think there's, I think there's, there's anytime there, there's kind of high profile complaining going on and look, I'm not, I hate writing about the referees. I hate it, hate it. And, you know, as, as big a deal as it was for Purdue, when Zach Eady announced he was coming back, I was on vacation. I was sitting at, uh, I was sitting at Disney World, and uh, that's when he dis- he announced he was coming back. And suddenly, after I got done finishing my story, um, I was filled with kind of the, the sense of existential dread that, oh, here we go again. After every game, it's going to be the, the Zapruder film over every single foul call. And, yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, it, it, it's a thing. Like, I, I don't know if I see a lot of bad foul calls being called on him. The offensive foul in the open floor uh, yesterday was, um, you know, a 50-50 call. Uh, when one guy goes flying, you know, I, I think it's more likely that that's going to go against the offensive player. Um, you know, just, you know, Matt Painter is typically pretty honest about that stuff. And um, I just don't think he likes those calls in general. Yeah. So he didn't like that call on Edie. Um I can't say I really have much of an opinion. Um, I can't remember the Minnesota fouls, but no, the second I, I, one, the second one on Minnesota, the, that was very meh, and that changed. That really changed the flow of that first half. His second foul. Clearly. Well, it changed. It changed the flow of both games because Purdue. It stymied Purdue. It, it kind of cost them their momentum. Yeah. Um, but I. I I don't know if Edie's like a marked man or anything like that, and where, where they're trying to get him out of the game. They're they're making bad calls against him. Uh, I mean, I I think when you have a player like Zach Edie, who's kind of one on one in college basketball, maybe in college basketball history, other than maybe like Shaq in a very different era, um, I think that you could call twenty fouls a game for him. You just can't realistically do that. Yeah. I mean, he did shoot eight free throws, I think, at Ohio State, which is not a bad number. Now, there are going to be games where he's going to shoot like 15, too. 
Um, but I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is possible when you have Tom Izzo's last year, Chris Collins this year, just putting it out there as the storyline after their teams lose to Purdue. Uh, referees are human, you know, and yeah. they are they are influenced by external factors. I think that's why you get less calls on the road than you do at home is because you've got 20,000 people waiting to, you know, scream at you. Uh, if you call something against the home team, I mean, what human being isn't going to be affected by that? Yeah. Um, and I think it, it is natural for the referees to want things to be even to look even, to look impartial, even when that's maybe not what the actual things happening on the floor. I, I, I'm not saying I'm just kind of talking in circles here. I'm not saying that the referees are out to get Zach Eady. I'm not saying that he deserves a weighted whistle. Um, but I think all Purdue has ever wanted was just call games for him. Like he's Cliff Amore, like he's, yeah. Owen Freeman, you know, don't don't penalize him. Don't give him less calls because no one can guard him. Right. You know, don't 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 give him less calls because people tend to go flying uh, when they contact him versus him not budging. Uh, that's just what you can't do is you can't you can create evenness with your whistle, but what you can't do is you can't you can't penalize people's strengths with your whistle. Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of the, I think broadly that's kind of the big story of, of how Zach Eady is, is officiated. And I mean, it would be natural, I guess, like if you're an official and everyone thinks that Zach Eady gets every call and you're conscious of that. It, I, I mean, yeah, I can't sit here and say that like he's getting a bad whistle. Um, but I can't sit here and say he's getting superstar treatment either. Yeah. Um, my, my, my issue is like, you, you, it's not Zach Eady's fault if he is a million times better than the guy you're trying to use to guard him. Like that's not, that's you shouldn't penalize Zach Eady for that. Right. I mean, that's not, that it's not even when, when some guy, off yeah the guard Zach Eady. That's not even. It's not an even matchup. Right. So, I don't think they are though. I, I think they used to. I think when he first came along, I think that was a real thing. Now I I I don't know. I mean I know people I know my following wants to hear me complain about the officials because nothing yeah. gets engagement on oh no doubt toxic social media like complaining about the officials but um i don't know man i i i think he's he's gotten in foul trouble the last two games in the first half uh the first game painter came back with him the second there was so little time left in the first half that it didn't make a lot of sense to come back with him yeah um and it has changed the game but i i i can't sit here and credibly say or in good faith say that the referees are hunting him and trying to put him out of games. I think, you know, right. part of at Ohio State, Purdue had him playing like a one-man zone there around the rim. Uh, and sometimes when you do that, you put yourself at risk of slashers 
being able to get ahead of steam and kind of drive into him. And that's going to put him in a dangerous spot from a foul perspective. You're going to see Illinois do that when they do the Ty Rogers thing again, is they're going to put the ball in Ty Rogers hands and they're going to try to get him downhill going right at Edie. And if, if, if Ty Rogers crashes into him, gets concussion and so be it, uh, I guess. But um, I think that that is, that's a tough spot to be in uh, from a foul's perspective. And I think, uh, I'm, I'm just pointing this out broadly. I don't you can't even remember if he's gotten any fouls doing that here the last two games, but um, I think that uh, you know he he just has to be mindful of it, and Purdue has to be mindful of it, and I think you know maybe uh, Purdue is sitting here this week thinking about their 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 policy on. Every time I want to say that Painter should have left him in at Ohio State, I remember he brought him back at Minnesota. Now there's a big difference between yeah. there being 13 minutes on the clock and there being five minutes on the clock. But, you know, putting the onus on the referees to call that third foul might go the other way of what I was just talking about. Like, what human being is not going to be affected by the urge to even out the fouls? But what human right. being is not going to be affected by the understanding that if I pin a third foul on Zach Eady, it fundamentally changes this game. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I have an opinion on it uh, one way or the other. It's a, it's a hard uh, I don't, a, I don't I, think I, there's I, a right answer. You know, I, you just don't know what's going to happen. And you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And, um, But, you know, I don't think there's any question that the last two games, him going out with his second foul, changed those games. Yeah. And Purdue, Purdue closed first halves disastrously. Yeah. Uh, in both instances. And it's not a coincidence. No, no, it's not. That's for sure. All right. Thanks, Brian. No problem. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. A thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right, that'll do it for our show. For Brian Newbert, I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Golden Black Radio.